0: January 23rd, 1912, the International Opium Convention is signed at The Hague, not to be confused with the annual Opium Con, which this year will be held virtually due to the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic. Welcome to The Revisionist. I'm Brian Flynn. I'm Zach Powers. And joining us, uh, returning once more was... Was that a dog I could Yes, I'm sorry. sorry. No, that's just... I hope
1: it doesn't get too loud.
0: No, that's totally fine. I just did not anticipate <laughs> It was me, a dog. actually. It was me. Uh, none was of us own noise. a dog. It was a ghost.
2: <laughs> there's a dog in the... There's a, there's a dog in one of our walls. Yes.
0: <laughs> uh, joining us, uh, apparently, uh, dog-adjacent Priscilla Spangler. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Thank you for... Thank you for being back.
1: Yes, thank you for having me back.
0: Listeners, welcome to the first episode where I can hopefully say nothing crazy will happen between this episode and the next one.
2: Uh, the last three Wednesdays have been uh, quite a ride of, of national news. And uh, now maybe, uh, you know, we'll get back to a time where every day <laughs> isn't a catastrophe. We yeah. will yet see... Uh, obviously, we're still in the middle of a, pandem- a pandemic where a lot of people are dying. So there is that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, to be fair. And it's weird that we've had to deal with other shit on top of that.
2: Regardless, uh, if you are new to this podcast, this is The Revisionist. It's a comedy history podcast uh, in which we discuss a person or event from the history of um, the world. Uh, One person gives the sort of uh, government sanctions. Now, I guess the Biden government sanctioned. uh, um, (laughs) That was was weirdly salty. (laughs) Fucking whatever the libs want you to hear (laughs) of US history. And the other person...
0: Uh, so, will U.S. Tell history. You, the 1776 you, what, Commission.
2: Yeah, and the other the other person will tell you what Q will reveal as the real truth of that person or event from history. Uh, Q does not sponsor this podcast. And we do not endorse Q. No. <laughs>
0: uh,
2: no, they'll tell you a bananas, batshit, comic book, you know, House of M, crazy, <laughs> you know... <laughs> what's your favorite uh, comic book art crisis on infinite earths version of that uh, history or event. Uh, And at the end we vote on what becomes the true history of that person or event in this great blue, brilliant spinning, uh, slightly less fascistic marble of the world going forward. Uh, and that's the basic premise of the podcast. Um, we have a small amount of old business. Uh, we have the results for Rebecca Lee Crumpler, um, the first black woman to become a doctor in these United States. Unsurprisingly, her true version of events. One, it's hard to <laughs> up an, a very inspiring story with a bunch of bullshit about how She was a yodeler or some shit. That was not the actual alternate history. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And uh, Sidney Riley, uh, a prolific con man, sort of spy. Uh, His actual history also uh, seems to have won at this late date. CNN is calling it for the actual history. It's ahead by quite a bit.
0: Yeah. I mean, Uh, at this point voting is technically still open, but it's, it's ahead by like two thirds
2: yeah, so. well, I mean, it, and we should say uh, he was the first in our series about uh, spies, things of that mm-hmm. nature. Our, our current, our current run after we closed our medical history chapter for being too depressing to think about currently. And then sit down. We're going to talk about some James Bond shit.
0: Yeah, um, exactly. Today, that being Aldrich Ames, and uh, I'm going to be doing the actual history, um, and. Before I forget, uh, I want to make sure I say that uh, my sources for this, my primary source for this leaned very heavily on um, a book called The Spy and the Trader* by Ben McIntyre. Also, the FBI was like their website, not like an agent, was a source for this. <laughs> J. Edgar
2: Hoover is yeah. one
0: of the primary <laughs> sources. I didn't fucking call up Scully and Mulder and be like, tell me what you know about this <laughs> Clarice um,
2: Starling. Brian was inside of a glass cell because of COVID. Mm-hmm. Uh, he still and the threw other some thing. jizz at the wall. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Check out Clarice on CBS. Um, yeah, I don't know
2: how that... I, I don't think they have the rights to use the character of Hannibal in that. No,
0: they don't.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. that's interesting.
0: Um, so. Also, Will Grant. Um, I'm in sort of a weird a uh, codependent murder relationship with him.
2: Will Graham? Will Graham.
0: Damn it. Will Grant's from Jurassic Park, isn't
2: he? Please <laughs> respect the literary works of Thomas Harris.
0: Sorry. Now I'm just picturing like Hannibal Lecter in Jurassic Park. And I'm going to write that slash fic when, <laughs> as soon as we get off here. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm not going to lie. I don't know what the fuck he would be able to do <laughs> to manipulate them dinosaurs. I do I don't, but I kind of trust he has something in his in his old tool bag. Yeah, um, he's good at stabbing shit, I guess. Yeah, that's true. Um, anyway, if you want to send uh, fan art of Hannibal Lecter either seducing or fighting a dinosaur, you can go ahead and send that to at Ted Cruz on Twitter. Um, and that will would reach us. <laughs> would he think that
2: girl was clever or would he think that he could easily manipulate her mm-hmm. Um,
0: mm-hmm. into possibly in of, eating her own In spite leg. of
2: that Velociraptor's FBI training.
0: Yeah. <laughs> watch Hannibal, everyone. It's a great show.
2: And hey, watch Silence of the Lambs. It's a, mm-hmm. you know, won the Oscar. It's a good movie. Uh,
0: Manhunter, uh, also very good. Uh, after Hand that, Hunter. the movie's... It was the first. Welcome to our podcast where we rank all of the <laughs> Hannibal-related media.
1: I've only seen Silence of the Lambs.
0: Yeah, Manhunter came out in like the late '80s, I think. Okay. So, like, same, not too long before it. What? But was
1: it like the same?
0: Same like, universe, yeah. Okay. Watch Hannibal.
2: I think Silence of the Lambs and Hannibal. You're pretty good. If you really like the universe, you can go. Hannibal the TV show and if you really mm-hmm. like the ah. universe you can watch Hannibal the movie
0: and Manhunter yeah
2: okay. and then you could maybe Red Dragon you can skip that prequel one
0: yeah oh, I what actually is think it? I've
1: seen Red Dragon but yeah I, did, I like didn't watch it with any intentions no th- like they gone. didn't make it with any okay. intentions So <laughs>
0: okay. that, yeah,
2: yeah they made it with the intention to make money <laughs> yeah that's
0: true that is that is an intention yeah um <laughs> Anyway, so Aldra james non cannibal oh. as far as we know, I mean Army Hammer surprised us all <laughs> yeah, no maybe the like breaking news between episodes will start to be celebrity fetishes, so yeah we'll see. Which I'm,
2: I'm excited I'm excited <laughs> that is something I'm genuinely excited for is weeks where the biggest story is like stupid celebrity shit. Yeah, yeah, that's
1: true.
2: I haven't heard much stupid celebrity shit in. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. We're like, it's not like a violation no, of continuous. the Geneva Convention. It's yes. like.
0: Madonna. Oh, Timothy Chalamet did like. Yeah.
2: Madonna adopted a tiger is the big story of the week <laughs> or whatever the fuck happens.
0: <laughs> but uh, Aldrich James was born in 1941. Uh, his father was an academic. Um, but when. Aldrich, uh, or Ames was 11. His dad started working for the CIA and, um, not long after was posted to Myanmar, uh, at the time called Burma in the West. His dad's job basically entailed, uh, transmitting money from the CIA to pro-American newspapers. And so like due to this exposure as a kid, uh, Alder James became fascinated with spies. Like, he would just wear a trench coat just around. Um, pro-American newspapers, I'm do you mean, right. like,
2: generally newspapers in America, or were they, like, Newsmax OA and, oh, s-
0: like... Sorry, these were uh, newspapers in Myanmar that were pro-American anti-communist. Oh, okay, that makes more sense. Yeah, sorry. But yeah, wore a trench coat around like I did not <laughs> Junior high and freshman year of high school for a while, for uh, for that spy look. He also um, practiced magic tricks a lot. Um, and which was he a, just... a risky move because we went to
2: Columbine like two or three years after the shooting. As so a yeah. was yeah, a I went
1: too.
0: I discovered that on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I I would take it off and leave it in the car because I had too much <laughs> sense and tact to be like.
1: Nope. Just have to wear it outside.
0: Also, I would like... Inside. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Don't maybe
1: be a spy outside when you're at Columbine. <laughs> 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 oh,
2: that's terrible, but...
0: Yeah. I mean, it's true. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I will say... It's a great school.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I. one thing I will say, not a, fec- not a fiction. People are shocked when I tell them that there were no metal detectors at our school. yeah. Yet. Like yeah. I know people who did not go to our school who were like, "Yeah, we got metal detectors after Columbine." I heard like, that oh, too. Yeah, we yeah, did. we didn't.
0: <laughs> we got busloads of tourists. Um, <laughs> we got was... some uh, oh, anti-abortion
2: no. protests. Yeah, for yeah. some are fucking reason. Yeah, what I was is the say, those are always there? really
1: confusing.
0: <laughs> we got um, <laughs> 2004. The like we were like the precinct polling place for the Republican caucuses.
2: Oh God.
0: Which was weird. Yeah. Uh, which is actually the most had, like,
2: shameful thing that's ever happened. Yeah.
0: <laughs> we had like play rehearsal, I think during, during yeah. that time. Oh
2: my God. Yeah. One time, uh, Katie Couric wouldn't let uh, our friend John into the theater for play <laughs> rehearsal. Oh yeah.
0: <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, that's, that's been our mini podcast. Fuck you, Katie Couric. Mm-hmm. Um, and, <laughs> Uh, heavily slanderous. Anyway, because of Ames's dad's alcoholism, his dad was given negative performance reviews and transferred back to Washington DC for a desk job. So in 1957, when Ames was a sophomore in high school, he began working for the CIA as just a high school job. Uh, He was just like a clerk, like a records analyst, I think was the title. He would just mark classified documents for filing but he started working there as a sophomore in high school. He went to the University of Chicago intending to study history and what Wikipedia just called foreign cultures, without what getting more specific.
1: <laughs> what does that even mean?
0: I don't know. It's like, like you
1: study what cultures do, not even the language, just like the things that they do.
0: Yeah, like right. <laughs>
1: Russians like vodka. I don't know <laughs> it's Russian culture.
0: Congratulations, you just got a BA. Yes. Um, <laughs> but well, well, in school he got caught up with the theater crowd uh, oh, no. and ended up failing yeah, <laughs> out. He went back to work for the CIA as a like just a painter and oh, laborer. Yes? Yeah, what did he put their sets? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> we have a it's sting operation. more
2: specific
0: than that. <laughs>
2: The sting operation takes place in scene two of Guys and Dolls, and we need to make a set.
0: We're going to pull a rock ridge on people, don't. Soon after, he he left uh, and moved back to Chicago to become assistant technical director of the theater. But as it was sort of a theme of his early life, there was a lot of instability, and he went back to D.C. a couple years later to return to the CIA to do the same sort of clerical work. Uh, he went back to school, got his B.A. in history, And scored well enough on, like, the government civil service exam uh, that he would end up going into the CIA at a good pay scale, even though he kind of didn't want to. And his dad ended up pushing him to take a uh, more spy-y job at the CIA. Uh, His dad told him, quote, lying is wrong, son, but if it serves a greater good, it's okay. Uh, Okay. (laughs) Okay. So, you know.
1: one philosophy.
0: <clears throat> parenting. Um, yeah. <laughs> he joined the CIA junior officer training program despite having some alcohol-related incidents with the police. Well, there, he was taught... Um, this is from the McIntyre book.
2: I assume that he had a drinking contest with the police, is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Ex- yeah, they, yeah,
0: exactly. No, they he... They um, matched shots
2: one night. He beat the in beer <laughs> prong. It was a
0: well what it was was the police like chipped in so he can get a 30 rack but he got like bush and they didn't like that so
2: (laughs) they gave him like you know high-end beer money and he came back with pabst
0: yeah exactly (laughs) so he was taught that quote a greedy spy was worth more than an ideological one because once you had the money hooks in them it was easier to hold them and play them Ames at one point would Say the essence of espionage is the betrayal of trust. 1969, he married another CIA officer, uh, Nancy Segbarth, um, and she resigned later on so she could join him on a foreign posting because the rule was a husband and wife can't be posted to the same foreign country. Um, interesting rule, I guess. There are a couple weird fucking CIA rules that come up in this. Um, I get
2: it like if you're in the same office. You know, because mm-hmm. maybe there's a dynamic of power and
0: abuse of power.
2: The same country, like in Russia, mm-hmm. you know,
0: it's a pretty yeah. big country. <laughs> From what I hear. Pretty
2: big, yeah.
0: It's pretty big.
1: It's pretty big. It's kind of big.
0: Um, <laughs> so he was first posted to uh, Ankara, Turkey, where his job was to just identify uh, and target potential Soviet agents for recruitment. And he thought he was a natural at this. And he did succeed in like infiltrating like a communist youth organization. Pretty easy. Yeah. Like it's communist youth. So it's like eh. <laughs> mostly all the people I know from college.
2: Yeah. I, I, I can make one or two memes about capitalism and probably a infiltrate a <laughs> 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 <to> leftist group.
0: <laughs> uh. His superiors only rated him, like, satisfactory, partially because he was known to drink a lot. Like, at one point, he was asked to hang pro-U.S. posters to make it seem like Turkish youth were against the Soviets. Uh, But he just threw all the posters in a dumpster and went day drinking.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it sounds like a better use of your time, to be honest.
0: Yeah. In retrospect, sure. (laughs) But he still, like, kept his job. He was transferred back to D.C. And, like... Did well enough at a desk job that even though he was still drinking, like he was transferred to New York City to recruit and run Russian agents again.
1: How desperate were they? Oh my god, (laughs) like
0: apparently, like, pretty desperate. This was like a low point in like CIA history. Um, okay. They just just saying a lot because they have done a lot of killing
1: people <laughs> yeah that's
0: true I mean morale wise I guess okay. but when they were killing people their morale was like tops because yeah. it's a fucked up organization
2: hey you need to overthrow yeah. a Latin American government <laughs> we're on the top of our game
0: <laughs> he, he well in New York City he was verbally reprimanded for leaving a briefcase full of classified material on the subway hmm. <laughs> and also, like, romantic. late paperwork. <laughs> <What> <laughs> on,
1: on the subway?
0: No, he was just, like, oh. consistently bad about turning in paperwork. Okay. And also, yeah. yes, he leaving CIA secrets on the subway. <laughs> on the subway. Yeah. <laughs> um, in 1981, then, uh, he was posted in Mexico City, uh, and his wife stayed in New York. And at this point, he felt like his career was sort of stagnating, uh, and he was in a rut. Uh, and he blamed the CIA for this. Uh, and especially his superiors for not like recognizing his genius. Um, (laughs) So in, well, in Mexico city, he began at least three extramarital affairs. One of the women who they started fucking um, (laughs) was uh, Maria del Rosario Casas Dupuy, um, otherwise known as Rosario. I'll refer to her by that name throughout the rest of this. Ames did not, Report that relationship to the CIA, which you're required to do when you fuck someone. Not that's I'm sure that's not how the rules written, <laughs> but mm. uh, but like some colleagues knew what was going on, um, and some superiors were getting more alarmed at his drinking. He got in a loud argument with a Cuban official at a de- uh, diplomatic reception. But despite all the concern about his behavior. Uh, he was returned to Washington and the highly sensitive Soviet and Eastern Europe division um, as part of the counterintelligence unit, which meant that he had access to all CIA plans and operations against the KGB and Russian military intelligence. And so, like, soon after he, in October 1983, he divorces uh, Nancy, his first wife, and soon realized that the uh, like the alimony and the support and the legal fees <laughs> would cause him to go into bankruptcy. So, also as part of his counterespionage work, he assisted like a CIA office that assessed Soviet embassy officials as potential assets.
2: In early, so it's very 19- much some of the Americans kind of shit.
0: Yeah, yeah. In early 1985, actually, his division was tasked with figuring out the identity of a highly placed Soviet official who was. Uh, secretly spying for British intelligence, uh, just someone in the KGB leadership. And that was like a hard, a hard the MI6 didn't want to share the identity because they didn't trust the CIA. But by like cross-referencing known dates and information that the agent passed information to MI6, within a few months, this, the office Ames ran was pretty confident they had found the person um, whose name was uh, Colonel Oleg Gordievsky, who was the new KGB like resident in charge in London? Twelve days before Gordievsky's appointment to that position, Ames uh, approached the Soviets, offering to sell them information. Uh, Ames called someone the CIA was planning on targeting to to flip, an arms control expert named Sergei Dmitrievich Chovakin, and Ames used that as his cover story that he was contacting them to to try to flip them. And so with the CIA and FBI's approval, he set up a meeting with Chovakin at the hotel bar not far from the Soviet <laughs> embassy. Shuvakin never showed, which probably because they thought it was a trap. So Ames got drunk and decided to improvise. So he walked up the street to the Soviet embassy and handed a package of confidential information to the receptionist and just <laughs> left. The initial, it was like... What he offered at first was pretty useless, but it was an intentionally enough for the KGB to I positively identify him as a CIA spy, uh, and he asked for fifty thousand dollars for further information, and like he knew that they would treat this as bait, so he kind of just went back to his normal routine and waited for the KGB to respond, and they were like horny for it. Sorry, in early May, so like a month uh, a month later. Shuvikin contacted Ames and made a date to meet him at the embassy for drinks and then lunch at a local restaurant. Shuvikin wasn't a spy. I want to reiterate that. He was just a legitimate arms control expert. But because Ames contacted him, the KGB forced him to go along with Ames's story uh, since he was now like established as his cover story, which probably sucked for him. So on May 15th, Ames was led into the Soviet embassy basement by a KGB officer who sort of mimed that the room was maybe bugged. And so the officer named uh, Cherkashin handed Ames a note, like accepting the offer and telling him, you're going to meet this guy Chovakin for lunches whenever you need to hand off information. Ames took the note, wrote, okay, thank you very much on the back and (laughs) handed it back. Standard in this sort of interview... (laughs) Ames would have been asked if he knew of any spies inside the KGB who would tip off the CIA about his defection. And he may not have known uh, Gordievsky's name at this point, but he did definitely know that the MI6 had a highly placed mole within the KGB. They went to lunch with Shovikin. They had a long discussion where Ames got drunk. They probably talked about arms control. And At the end, Shuvakin handed him a shopping bag of fake documents just for show. uh, And at the bottom of the bag was a wad of $50,000. The next day after that meeting, Oleg Gordievsky goes to his desk in London and finds a note asking him to come to Moscow for a KGB ceremony so they can finish confirming his appointment, which he knew was a trap, but went anyway. He was drugged uh, and questioned, but resisted enough that they didn't have enough proof to shoot him in the head. So they just put him under surveillance. So on June 13th, and it's either this meeting or the first meeting when, or the the May meeting when Ames did this, uh, Ames names at least 25 agents working in the Soviet Union in an exchange of information that, no joke, is just called the big dump. So still used to the this day. Dump, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, great name. Uh, <laughs> fantastic. Later, Ames would say that he justified this um, to himself by saying that if he didn't turn them in, they could expose him and that the agents knew the risks when they started spying. So soon after Ames got a message from Shovakin saying, congratulations, you are now a millionaire, which will Bring us back to Oleg Gordievsky, uh, who is trapped in Moscow at this point. And when he started spying for MI6, they set up a prearranged signal that he would send when he needed rescue, um, which was he would stand in front of a bread shop in Kutuzovsky Prospect at exactly 7.30 p.m. holding a Safeway bag. And to confirm that MI6 got the signal, a man would walk up the street past him eating a Mars bar, um, <laughs> <laughs> which I gotta just love. Gordieski snuck out of his apartment and like used his KGB training to weave through streets and alle- alleys and lost the people assigned to follow him and sent up the signal. Uh, he would later pull off one of the like most daring escapes in like the history of the Cold War. Like he would. S- drive through Moscow, sneak aboard a train to Leningrad, and take the bus from there to a pre-range meeting spot in Vyborg uh, and just wait in the woods for the MI6 escape team who put them in the trunk of their car and drove him over the Finnish border past Soviet checkpoints, eventually to England. Gordievsky was just one agent. Uh, Aldrich James blew their cover. The CIA like quickly realized that the KGB was rounding up and killing almost all of their Soviet spies, um, which the KGB assured Ames they they would do this slowly, uh, so as not to arouse suspicion, but apparently political pressure from the Kremlin um, meant the KGB just decided to do it all at once. And Ames became so frightened the KGB fed the CIA a cover story that the mole was assigned to another office And so it kind of died down. Ames was transferred to Rome, uh, middling reviews, more drinking again. But then a few years later, for no real accountable reason, he was transferred back to D.C. to a position where he again had sensitive information on U.S. double agents. Basically, his spying for the USSR and later Russia spanned up until 1994. He acquired over $4.5 million dollars uh, from the intelligence service from both USSR and Russia, uh, which is, I think, the the most an American spy has ever received. His cover story for the money also was that Rosario's parents in Colombia were rich, uh, and he even like wired them money to help like establish the backstory. But in earlier conversations with people, Rosario had mentioned to like Ames's colleagues in the CIA that they were in fact very poor. And so the internal CIA, like, mole hunt team was working closely with the counterintelligence office Ames worked for, but they started to look more closely at him. But they sort of, for reasons that are sort of inexplicable, they moved kind of slowly about it. Uh, Ames actually did pass to, like, routine polygraph examinations. Uh, He later said the KGB just told him, hey, just believe in yourself or just be confident and you'll be fine. But in the end what gave what gave Ames away the most was his new look basically. He started we- wearing like tailor-made suits that his, even his bosses couldn't afford. Uh he got like dental caps for his teeth which were stained from years of smoking. Then they investigated further and dis- and found that despite his $60,000 salary, he had a half million dollar house he paid for in cash uh, <laughs> on top of like a Jaguar uh, car, not animal. Uh, <laughs>
1: just a just, like, giant Jaguar.
0: <laughs> which also I assume would take money.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, <laughs> and just like other shit like that. So Ames and Rosario were arrested on February 2nd, 1994 Rosario was charged with tax evasion and conspiracy to commit espionage as she was released after five years. Ames was charged with spying and pled guilty and was sentenced to life in prison. And many of the dozens of spies he named to the Soviet Union were killed by the KGB. And that's the actual history of Aldrich Ames.
2: Wow. So he's... Uh, still alive Mm -hmm. medium security prison in indiana life without parole he's 79 right now Mm -hmm. uh he was apparently the biggest source of like uh uh, the biggest dump i guess to use the phrase of u.s intelligence (laughs) in history until seven years later when another man uh, was arrested in 2001 robert hansen who is in the supermax in Florence, Colorado. Yes. Maybe uh, we'll talk about him at some point. But, yeah.
0: Maybe. Yeah. I was like sort of between like doing this guy or Hanson first. Cause we don't, this is only like the second time we've talked about someone who's still alive. If he's in prison, I don't think they get podcasts. Yeah. yeah um, and he's not getting
2: out. Like it's no yeah. parole.
0: Uh, yeah. So fucking come at me, Ames. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, and that's the actual history.
2: But medium security in Indiana sells, sounds a hell of a lot better than Super Supermax. Max.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's true. I did. I for some reason did not realize he was in medium security. Yeah,
2: I just yeah, looked it up. pretty yeah, crazy. Yeah.
0: I mean, I guess he wasn't like technically violent himself.
2: Yeah, yeah. but most of the people in Supermax are like puppet master types they're not people yeah. like a lot of them never personally killed anybody they just like ran either white supremacist gangs or religious extremists yeah. you know uh, or people who uh, uh were part of al-qaeda at some point stuff like that right right yeah. drug trade people like high high high
0: up drug trade people uh, anyway uh Perso, whenever you're ready with the alternate
1: Oh, no. Okay. Um, <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Do we have a history for you? We can pull it up. I'm sorry.
0: No, it's okay. We can okay. vamp. It's fine.
1: <laughs> so, um, it's lesser known, this one. Um, so, Aldrich Ames was born in London, England, mm. um, around 70, 1768.
0: Oh, okay. Around Definitely. that time.
1: Yeah there's no like you know real timeline but it was like around that time um so he came from like a really uh rich background because it was like london or whatever <laughs> <laughs> and there's rich people so they sent him to like a boarding school when he was 12 because they didn't like him very much and like that's what
0: Right, Again, everybody london. in like
1: yes in london like everybody in my eyes, goes to a boarding school. They're, and they're rich, rich and they hate
0: yeah. their kids. Yeah, yeah,
1: they are rich. They hate their kids, and they go uh, go to boarding school. So the they nonsense. sent him off to this boarding school, and it was like in Somalia, which was kind of weird. Oh, <laughs> yeah,
0: okay. it
1: was like an alternative <laughs> high school, I guess. Boarding school. I'm sorry, not like high school, a Montessori,
0: almost.
1: School. Yes, yes, in Somalia. <laughs> um, but yeah, so he's. Living on the this like island and uh, Somalia is not an island, I just realized that after saying that, <laughs> it's not,
0: they could. I, it's, it's a, coastal, so yeah, uh,
2: I mean, everything's it, an island if you zoom out far enough. It's yes. true,
0: that's all the world is one big island, it's this island a, earth, as they say. Mm-hmm.
2: Yes, it's just a, on yeah. island time. <laughs> It's five We're all on somewhere. island time nowadays. Mm-hmm. It's actually far past five <laughs> o'clock here, but mm. it is five o'clock somewhere. Yes. At the Copa.
1: <laughs> the cabana. <laughs>
0: okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, fine. It had to be finished.
1: <laughs> um oh yeah, so he's in Somalia, um off an island question mark, right? <laughs> in Somalia. So um One night when he's there, there's um, like this group of like lions, Mm -hmm. right? What do you call a group of lions? Would it be just a group of lions?
0: Pride, yeah. Okay, a pride? Mm -hmm.
1: Oh, that's beautiful. Okay.
2: (laughs) (laughs) As everybody knows from the direct-to-video sequel, Lion King 2, Simba's pride, obviously. Oh, Okay. Mm,
0: I thought that just referred to his like it. sort of sense of self.
2: It's a double meaning. I thought yeah, uh-huh. it was just a
0: sense of self.
2: It's the best direct-to-video Disney sequel.
0: <laughs> okay, I actually <laughs> think that's true. I've not seen. I don't of know that I've, I've seen I've any seen. direct-to-video Disney sequels.
1: No. Oh, I did. I saw the Little Mermaid one.
2: Uh-oh. It's not. It's not It wasn't that.
1: good. <laughs> when I was a kid. So. <laughs>
2: The, the Lion King 2 is a bit of a Romeo and Juliet story. Some of the songs were co-written by Joss Whedon uh, in his prime.
0: Oh, that's... Wow. Okay. Also, did, my bingo card did not have you knowing a lot about The Lion King 2 on it. My sister
2: liked it more than The Lion King 1, so we watched it a fair amount. Okay. The Lion we'll King do. 1 is better, though. She was wrong.
1: It is very good. It is very good. Was it? Oh yeah, I was talking about the pride of lions, right? That came in to this quote-unquote island in Somalia, mm-hmm. right? So um, they come in and they're like going to attack him, but the thing is that he had snuck off actually to hmm. like um, smoke weed or <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he yeah, was I mean you're in boarding times. school. Yeah, he was like rebellious. So he went off to like smoke weed in the Uh seventeen (laughs) hundreds.
2: Weed existed, you know. Yeah. Some of the founding fathers grew uh, weed.
1: Yeah, that's crazy. (laughs)
2: Did they smoke it
1: though? Because I feel like
2: (laughs) I assume Benjamin Franklin. I almost look at it. I don't know.
0: (laughs) I have no proof that he did, but Benjamin Benjamin Franklin did. He smoked weed.
1: Yeah. They have to have.
0: Button right? Gwinnett, yeah. How do you have a name like Button Gwinnett is a, no, a dealer's Button name? Button Gwinnett's a fucking <laughs>
2: narc, man.
0: No, no, Button Gwinnett's cool. He's down. You
2: would like Button Gwinnett.
0: I mean, Button in Gwinnett. terms of weed, I don't, I know nothing of his actual beliefs.
2: <laughs> I'm going to look it up later. If
0: he was one of the cool ones or one of the. Was not he one of cool the cool ones? ones? <laughs> was he one of the cool ones? I think he was
2: from the South, so he probably had slaves. Uh, oh, okay. I thought he was Massachusetts. But to be fair, like 90% of them had <laughs> slaves. Yeah. Very true. Okay, so he
1: went off and he's like smoking weed on a boat, right? <clears throat> and then he hears all the noise of the the pride of Lion that um, are like attacking people. So he just decided that he was just going to like sail away. Mm. And just... <laughs> He's yeah. just going to, you know, he's like, I don't want to deal with that. So I'm going to sail away.
0: I'm in a boat. I got weed. <laughs> I might as well.
1: Yes, exactly. So he just sailed away. And um, in within months of sailing away, he developed scurvy. And his teeth fell out. And his leg fell off. And he smelled really bad. So he just became a pirate.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, that's the word. <laughs> Yeah. It's weird that it's it's like a chicken and the egg thing where (laughs) the the piracy follows the scurvy.
1: (laughs) Yes. He turned into a pirate. Um, Yeah. And like nobody really like heard of his story. It's very like hush, hush around the um, community. (laughs) I don't know what the community is. I thought you were going to say water
0: cooler. I don't know (laughs) why.
1: (laughs) The water cooler too. Yeah. but, yeah, it's very hush-hush, and nobody, like, talked about it or, like, knew about it until the 80s. Um, and it's because, like, a group of tourists, they came across his boat in Hawaii, which is a really far yeah, I
0: was gonna say
1: <laughs> for a pirate to go. But he was really good at it, so he did it. Um, but, Yeah. That's it. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very confusing
0: history. They, they just found a stone corpse yes. in a boat in Hawaii. Yes, yes. <laughs>
1: in the 80s. In the 80s. <laughs> From Somalia to Hawaii. Yep. <laughs> it all makes sense. I imagine
0: sense. he kept a thorough diary.
1: Yes. yes. Yeah, I mean, you would have to. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know how many of this happen.
0: <laughs>
1: uh,
0: priscilla thank you yeah i um, that's
1: not legible <laughs>
0: um before we move on listeners uh i just want to remind you that hey if you want to write us a letter ask us a question or reach out you can uh do that at revisionistpodcast.com or on twitter or instagram uh just search revisionist podcast um uh, right uh, and uh Written reviews on iTunes
2: are the most valuable.
0: Yes. um, Add an
2: extra syllable in there to show you how valuable they are.
0: (laughs) I think you're adding more (laughs) syllables as you go. They're
2: so valuable. The the,
0: the center center cannot cannot hold after a while.
2: I cannot overemphasize the value.
0: We're, the falcon cannot hear the falconer. We're
2: and it doesn't matter what you write. You can you can uh, leave us five stars and then call us absolute pieces of shit. I don't <laughs> care. Uh, as long as it's a five star view. What
1: if um, somebody did that?
0: I would honestly be kind of hurt, <laughs> but also... Like, yeah, no I, would they listened. I, would, I would hopefully know that they listened and that wasn't just a coincidence. Yeah, they like
1: pointed something specific out. So you're like, oh, sweet, yeah. they heard it.
2: Ryan has wide them, hips it's just sad. <laughs> his, his hair gets greasy too quickly. It's true. His
0: beard I, is splotchy. I, sho- I showered like a few hours ago. <laughs> um.
2: God, Zach also, is overly critical. Of I was going to say, and a rude person in <laughs> general.
0: <laughs> my hips are not that wide; um, they're perfectly within the parameters of Gimli hips, which is my body <laughs> type, <laughs> and also <laughs> the Pilates studio I go to. Um. Anyway, what the fuck? Um. Yeah, reviews. Um. We also. We have a Patreon, which is nice. Things are hard for people right now, and there are probably better uses for that money. Um, Such as, you know, donating to local food banks or food pantries uh, who actually do better um, with monetary donations than with donations of food. Uh, Yeah,
2: or, uh, you know... uh Recently, Shannon and I have started donating to Amnesty International uh, monthly. A lot of people are displaced Mm -hmm. by COVID, so it's a good thing to give money so people maybe could uh, try and uh, find shelter. Uh, Or more directly, like, uh, we did this at Christmas, but maybe it's a good thing to do whenever. Like, we bought a bunch of food and socks and shit, and we just gave it to, you know, some... Homeless people in our community, uh, you know, like stuff like that is very important. Um, Mm -hmm. Incidentally, I have a button Gwinnett update.
0: Yeah, as as do I. Turns out, fuck him.
2: Yeah, he had slaves, uh, but he was also uh, killed in 1777 uh, by Lachlan McIntosh, following a dispute after a failed invasion of east florida so i don't know what the fuck that's about but that is the button Gwinnett did not make it long after the the revolution got announced and he
0: died a year later (laughs) (laughs) apparently trying to invade jacksonville so yeah oh yeah why do
1: you want to invade there
0: yeah it's a terrible place
1: (laughs) so many better places i don't know was it better back then
0: We were trying to corner the market on humidity, I think.
2: (laughs) When do you think was the last time somebody said, I have a Button Gwinnett update?
0: (laughs) I mean, Um, I guess it was 1777. Yeah. (laughs) After that last one. For that
2: Um, last one, it was 1777. (laughs) New information out about Button Gwinnett this late hour.
0: You won't believe you won't this man tried to invade East Florida and it was also kind of a piece of shit and you won't <laughs> believe what happened next. He died in
2: a duel but didn't get famous for it like some of his other founding fathers. He died
1: in a duel? Yeah. Why were there were there like a ton of duels back then?
0: Definitely, There were more, <laughs> okay. for sure. I don't know how many.
2: Jackson killed Andrew Jackson, who was years, you know, he was a, a teenager during the American Revolution. Uh-huh. Uh, he was, well, we could talk about it some other time. His story during the American Revolution, as much of a monster as he was, his yeah. story is fucking insane during the American yeah. Revolution. Mm-hmm. Um, he killed a number of people in duels. Yeah. Crazy. Like 7 or something like That's that. That's what I I think so. Wow. That's what I
0: remember. Yeah. Just he was pain.
2: a he was an absolute madman. Yeah. Yeah. And it's partially yeah. because I I suspect his childhood was fucking crazy. Yeah.
0: Yeah. We'll we'll, we'll get into we'll get into that whole Yeah. Oh, thing Andrew Jackson. With <laughs> him. Um but I think that Brings us to the close of our show and Judgment, which uh, falls on Zach's broad shoulders. Well, this guy was... he He sounds
2: like a... I don't know. He's like this guy whose father worked in an intelligence agency and he failed up because he had the connections and just like took... This easy, lazy route while always convinced of his own brilliance and intelligence. And to be honest, I've had enough of that shit <laughs> recently. I think I'm going to go with the alternate because yeah. I'm done. I'm done with that kind of shit for a little while.
0: <laughs> yeah, put these dudes out on an ice floe. Or... Yeah,
2: exactly um, so. Ish. So let's go with the more fun, like crazy uh alternate and 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 leave it at that
0: all right uh priscilla thank you thank you uh zach thank you as always yes of course uh for everyone here at the revisionist i'm brian flynn i am zach powers have a good time january 23rd 1571 James Stewart, first Earl of Moray, becomes the first recorded person to be assassinated with a firearm. His last words were, hey, that's kind of neat. January 23rd, 1719. The Principality of Liechtenstein is created, or as it's otherwise known, store brand Luxembourg.
2: January 23rd, 1941. Charles Lindbergh testifies before the U.S. Congress and recommends the United States negotiate a neutrality pact with Adolf Hitler which is now the official position of the RNC. January 23rd, 1957, American inventor Walter Morrison sells the rights to his flying disc to the Wham-O Toy Company, which it later renames the Frisbee. His story would be dramatized in the Cohen Brothers film, No Country for Old Men. <laughs>